many of you, especially those who grew up in this church, know Pastor Doug Taba and his dear wife Judith, pastoring in Jean-Pierre, many years in the ministry. Um, he was here as a youth pastor, if you remember correctly, and also overseeing the, the work of the building of the sanctuary where we are now, because originally the church was the other part where the fellowship hall is. So he worked a lot for the project and the construction of this area of the building where we are now. Let's welcome him. The first time I preached from this pulpit, and I was the first one to preach from this pulpit here, there weren't quite so many people here. There's a problem. A very good problem. You folks, I, I'm sorry, I didn't consult with Mario about this. You guys have got a really good problem here. You've got to figure out what you're going to do now. Because you've got to continue growing. So where's your future and what you're going to do? I'm just going to leave you with that. Because maybe your elders are going to be already talking about it. But something's got to be done. There's not enough room. So we're going to look forward to more and more growth. Amen? So this is the first time believe it or not, that I have preached in the Advent Sundays after 40 years, starting to speak French already, after 40 years of ministry. Okay. And I jokingly asked Pastor Mario if he had a text. He says, yes, shepherds enjoy. And I thought he was joking. <laughs> Ask a Taba to follow the rules. That doesn't work, does it? But I'm also a Schroeder Taba, and she follows the rules. Now, Judy, the rules are you have to get up and stay up. For a moment, please. And then, as we come to the end, and I offer an opportunity for those who wish to have prayer, Judy will also be at the front. For those of you who don't like beards, and uh, Judy will also be available for prayer, and maybe Pastor Mario and others as well, for those who feel a need. Did you come with a need this morning? Did you come? Yeah, you need God. Whatever that is, God wants to touch you this morning. Great to be here. I was told I had to tell at least one story about Dad, so I was wondering about the time or the times he fell asleep in church. So I thought I'd tell a story about Dad that maybe some of you don't know. Around 30 years ago, Christmas time, now what you got, for whatever the reason, nobody ever knows why I do what I do, I shaved my beard. Now what you got to know is that for the first 10 years that I had a beard, the first time, and sometimes twice a year because I was out of town and came back, my father would always say, you still have your beard. <laughs> and so this Christmas morning, I shaved my beard. And as I came down the stairs, my family noticed me. My dad's back was to me, and I went. Because they were all going. I sat down. Dad looked up, had his coffee in his hand, and he said, you grew a mustache. <laughs> yeah, well. Sincere, loving, wonderful father, Wonderful man, wonderful church statesman, and uh, we had a great time at the memorial last year. 
And there's a lot of things happened in Fairview. One of them was my dad. One of them was me. This was the first church that I really knew. I grew up in Peanuff, right beside the church over there, and then I participated in uh, 20th of March, I believe it was, the first church service in 1966 in the YMCA down in the Point Claire area. Uh, was part of the youth group, part of the first leadership of the first youth group. Uh, we started prayer meetings as youth together, came back. Judy and I did our internship here. We pastored for over a year during the construction of the church building. We, we tried counting the number of people who we ministered to during that year who actually went into full-time service. We talked about your father's church in Italy. Wonderful. And we came up with, with PNF and here over 25 names of people. And then we ran out because we hadn't followed the recent history. And maybe if you'd like to do me a favor, because somebody in the district office said to me, we've got to put that down on paper somewhere. If you know if somebody's gone into full-time service, come and tell either Judy or me after. Make us mark it down or write it in our Facebook or something. And we'll try to do that for you. Another person I'd like to give greetings, I said, Mom. And I wondered what her reaction was going to be. She's 92. And we go to see her many times each week and said, Mom, we're going to be at Fairview Alliance on Sunday. And she looked up at me with that puzzled look. And I thought, oh, no, she's forgotten. And she says, oh, really? Well, that's good. I said, Mom, would you like to say hi? He says, yes, please say hi for me. So there's a hi from Joyce Taba. I can't tell with certainty, but she may be either the oldest or one of the oldest Alliance adherents in Canada. Because as we're going through some of my dad's papers, we saw her birth registration done at the Alliance Chapel in 1927 here in Montreal. So... Yeah, you're part of a tradition, not only the Christian tradition, but the Christian Missionary Alliance tradition, and uh, you're going places together because we love God together, we want to serve him together, we want to see him do things in our lives. Can't see if I don't hold it up here. Okay, what was it that the shepherds had to be joyful about? Shepherds, very very simple people, very lowly people, ordinary people, just doing their job. Uh, Mary, you know that a pastor is a shepherd, right? So we have to question sometimes, you know, if, if a pastor, if a shepherd is a very lowly, ordinary, run-of-the-mill person and just doing his job and no special honor there, just day by day, day by day. The only thing the shepherds had to be joyful about, usually, because they were out in the fields with their flocks, they got cold, and sometimes they were able to warm their feet by stepping into something warm and squishy. <laughs> and that's the shepherd's lot. <laughs> Ordinary, lowly, not low life, but lowly, humble people living out in the fields. Do we have verse 8 up there? It disappeared, didn't it? You can put that back down if there's somebody still up there. And we can look at chapter 2, verse 8 together. Just watch the screen very carefully because if I say something that doesn't belong there, trust the Bible and not me. Good enough? We got a deal? Jokes aside. Verse 8. And there were shepherds 
living out in the fields, living nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. What do you do? Okay, questionnaire, get ready with your hands. If I see somebody that hasn't raised their hand, they have to come up and give a personal testimony. Okay, how many of you are in a service industry type of job? Like you serve people, either in a restaurant or... How many of you work in offices and clerk? Somebody keeps their hand up all the time here. <laughs> That's what a shepherd is, okay. How many of you are in sales? And How about administration? How many of you work with your hands, garage or whatever, or delivery stuff? A lot of people do delivery things. What other areas? Oh, care, care of people. And in hospitals and homes and teachers. What, what, what did I miss? There's a whole bunch of areas of, maybe some of you are leaders or administrators. <laughs> we all are occupied. I, I'm a mattress salesman. I'm also a pastor, but I'm a mattress salesman. This is not an advertisement. It's just, that's, that's what Judy and I do. And, uh, it's a day-to-day -day thing, and that's our ordinary life. Day in, day out, that's what keeps us busy. That's what puts food on the table. And business as usual, they were out there taking care of their flocks. Verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I've heard so many people say, you know, I've got a question I want to ask God. As a matter of fact, I think I've got a few things to tell him when I get there. I'm wondering about such and such, and I'd really like to have an explanation. I thought of the song, uh, Mercy Me sung it. I can only imagine. It's grace. I can only ask questions. Will I fall in fear? Will I be overcome by his grace? I can only imagine. When you see the glory of God, the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. Man, you didn't hear the sheep going back because all you heard were their knees hitting once against each other. They were terrified. They wondered, what is this? They checked their neighbor to see if he was seeing the same thing. They checked the other one to see if the third one said, and then they all looked at each other, and then they looked back, and there's this shining being in front of them, and there's glory, and it's totally out of their regular day-to-day -day activities of service, administration, sales, taking care of people. glory of God. We sang it earlier on. Can't help thinking of some of the Messiah songs where they use the word glory. And, 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 and during this Christmas season when we hear those songs and we think, wow, and we sang a couple today that talked about that. Whew. Say what? What's happening? Verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Yeah, sure. I bring you good news 
that will cause great joy for all the people. I paused over that. Is he talking about all the Hebrew people? Is he talking about all? But no, it's, it's us too. All people. Great news. Great news. What a contrast. What a contrast. Because on the one side, they're terrified. And he says, don't be afraid. I bring you tidings of good news. Joyful news. So often in our lives, these contrasts, we, we come up with something, we say, wow, what's happening, Lord? What did you say? What did that mean? Or somebody comes and gives us a word, or, and sometimes it's discouraging, sometimes it's encouraging, but it's this contrast between one or the other, and they are living one of these contrasts where life was going on just ordinary, and now everything's exploding around them. They've got some terrifying questions on their mind, and the angel says, eh, take it easy. It's going to be okay. Okay. I bring you good news. Verse 11 and 12, please. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. These two verses show me something that is so, so very important. I'd like to share it with you. It's truth and confirmation. The angels come to announce something, and they say, this is what has happened. Oh, yes? So he's announcing a truth. They understand that he's te they're telling them something, but he's, can I trust them? Is this really what God is speaking about? Is really what God is saying to my heart? And then he gives the confirmations. You're going to find this, 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 and this. And so often we have this question in our heart, and we're saying, God, what are you trying to tell me? And then we go to the scriptures, and we get the confirmation. That's exactly what the scriptures are saying to me. Oh, okay. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Truth and confirmation. That's just absolutely normal. What is interesting, and you all know this, you all know this story as well as I do, is that Israel, since the beginning, since Genesis chapter 3, right through the Pentateuch, right into the prophets and the historical books, into the other prophets, minor and major, the Messiah had been promised. The Savior had been promised. Everyone was waiting, and now they're under the jug of the Roman Empire, and things are not going so well for what they think things ought to be. The shepherds are aware of this, even though they're just lowly, ordinary people. And he says, it's now. They have been waiting for the Messiah. What does it mean to wait? I thought of a very simple illustration. When our two children, we have four, but the first two, Aaron and Christian, got along really well, and Christian loved his older brother. And then Aaron turned six, and one morning, beginning of September, Aaron took off on the bus and went to school. And Christian just didn't know what happened, because <laughs> his playmate was gone. But he soon learned, right near the middle, beginning of the end of the afternoon, the, the yellow bus would be coming back, and Aaron would get off the bus and come back into the house. So. Near the middle of the afternoon, three-year-old Christian would be standing at the Christmas, at the uh, Christmas, 
That's what we're talking about this morning, right? At the uh, windowsill. And of course, from the outside, I'm sure all you could see was just his head over the top here, right? Oh, you can't, you know. And he was looking and waiting. And he could be there 10, 20 minutes. He knew that Aaron was coming back and he was waiting. All of us wait for many things in our lives. That's just one little illustration of, of waiting. It had been told them. They'd been announced. He knew Aaron was coming, but the shepherds knew that there was a Messiah and a Savior coming. And somebody was saying, the time is now. Maybe you, like me, have been announced some sort of financial scheme sometime in our life. And we put our hope in it, and we believe what the other person is saying, and we, we wait for those results because somebody else has said there's great success in this, and we put our effort and our hopes in it, and after that it crashes. So sometimes... When somebody announces a good news to us, we say, well, yeah, been there, done that. I don't know. But the people of Israel, those who knew God, were waiting for what he had promised. And you must be, of course, this morning waiting for something from God, looking for something from the Lord, wanting something that you can hold on to a bit more or an answer or a specific thing. We face this every day. But one of the other things we face around Christmas, and it can be quite discouraging, it's like that uh, song we hear on the radio in two or three different ways over the last 10 years at least, I think, where the woman is singing and she's saying, last Christmas I gave you my heart, then the very next day you gave it away. This year I'm going to give it to somebody special. Yeah, Christmas, excuse me, doesn't mean a lot to me. I've heard a few people, some very close to me, one man in our church, almost every year he tells me, I wish we could just get it over with. Because <laughs> for him, it's just too busy, too occupied. Sometimes his family doesn't come. He wants to get past Christmas. I've heard somebody close to me say, I hate Christmas. Mattress store on the 6th. I know it was the 6th because I was wearing my 6th tie. and wearing a different tie every day of the year. My advent announcement of Christmas coming. And uh, except yesterday it was socks, Christmas socks. And she comes from the store, hi, how you doing, Merry Christmas. And she says, bah humbug, or the equivalent, and starts grumbling to me. And I start serving her and sharing with her and talking to her about the positive things about the visit that she's going to have. She's buying the mattress for a visitor and on and on and on. And I talk about my ties. And finally, we connect. And just before she leaves, she looks around to me and she says, Merry Christmas. You've got a nice tie, too. <laughs> yes! Okay, I didn't get the prayer of salvation out with her. But, you know, we keep on running into these people, and maybe you're one of them sometimes, probably just one or two, not many out of 200 people, no, um, who might be saying, ah, oh, thanks for the distinction between where is she, happy and, uh, regardless, happy and, and, and joyful. There's a big difference there, isn't there? But we sort of think, ah, oh, what on earth is this all about? The shepherds might have been wondering, but they had a truth announced to them, and they were told they could have a confirmation of it. Let's go right now to verse 15. 
When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, well, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that happened, that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They'd started making a few connections. Angel or angels, glory, message, Messiah. God's talking. This sounds very religious to me, they told each other. This talks to our faith. This talks to our heart. Let's go see, and the faith in them is beginning. Let's go see this thing that has happened. They're beginning to believe. Not a, are you sure? But yeah, God just told us something has happened. So something has happened. Let's go check it out. Because they told us we will find this and this happening. This has happened. Verse 16. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. At the entry to our store, I have a wooden manger, some fake straw in there, and no baby. That's a king-size bed. People ask about it, and I explain it to them. Well, we're waiting. It's Christmas. Jesus is coming. He's going to be born. They hurried off. One of Aaron, my son, who's right now pastoring in, in La Bay, um, one of his favorite pictures, I forget the, the, the artist, is when the women had come and announced to the apostles, to the disciples, that Jesus had been uh, raised from the dead. And these two are in this picture, racing. And all we see is this close-up of them with their hair flowing back. Mario, that's easier for some people than others. <laughs> and their, their, their mouths are half open. And their eyes are glistening. And they're running because Peter and John have been told, Christ has risen. And so they're, they're hurrying. You know, Eastern Christmas, same story, two bookends. They're, they're waiting, and they want to see this confirmation. Christ has risen. They've been told the news, and they want the confirmation as well. Well, here, the shepherds have been told something that's going to be making them very, very joyful, very, very sure of themselves, very, very filled up, very positive about life, in spite of their lowly, everyday situation. John Lennon sang, and so this is Christmas, and what have we here? Another year over. Ah, nice tune, but <laughs> kind of sad. Not doing much hurrying in that song. Not doing much anticipation in that song. Songs we had this morning, yes, what great truths. They hurried. It's more than just a nice story. It's more than just something that I've already heard before. Sad situation this year for the seventh year in a row. Our church and the Catholic church next door were asked to participate in planning a, Christian, a Christmas service for the uh, business association and the population. It's become very popular. We had over 200 people show up. And last year as well, 
first three years, we held it out in freezing temperatures outside. Now the museum opens up to clear all the displays to the side. It's an old, Ang an old Anglican church. And funding has changed. One or another of us has preached the gospel very simply about Jesus and about Christmas. And this year, we were told the funding has changed. And those who are funding it have said, we don't want you to talk about Jesus, pray, or mention the Bible. My family was really mad at me. Every one of them, without fault, told me that I was wrong and I should have left the room. But I decided as a participant in the community to continue, and there was mitigated success as we talked about certain values and certain things, and I got people to talk about what they remembered about Christmas, etc., 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 and got to suggest that the answer was prayer to this young man of eight years old who his mother brought to the front because his friends were fighting and what he wanted for Christmas for his friends to stop fighting. The first person to walk in the door was a woman I've seen over the last 10 years. She can't speak, but she gestures. <laughs> and she had a Christmas card for me. <laughs> she was waiting for the Christmas celebration to give me her Christmas card. But Christmas is more than just another story with some values attached onto it somewhere. Why don't you just talk about social values, somebody told me. And during the meeting, as we discussed, um, at one point, uh, one of the organizers said something to the effect, oh, Lord, Seigneur. And I said, Seigneur qui? Lord whom? But it was a bit, I don't know, we probably won't do that next year. We'll try and find some other solution with the churches to do a different type of Christmas celebration. But it just reflects how the people around us also have this idea that it's just another story. And we can't let that be our, hmm, we can't let that be our case. That is not our lot in life. It's more than just a nice story. It's inspiring. And now, what is going to happen next? They saw the baby. It's really, really inspiring for me, hopefully for you too, as we read the passage and see what can happen to a group of ordinary people. Like us. Like these shepherds. Just a group of ordinary people having an ordinary day coming up to, perhaps for some, an ordinary Christmas. Verse 17 and 18. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. 18. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She'd been told beforehand what was going to be happening. Joseph had a good idea of what was going to be happening because they both had a visit from the angel. So when the shepherd said, oh, by the way, an angel told us, they didn't say, oh, they said, oh, you too. Mary, did you know that this baby boy would one day walk on water? Wonderful song, too. Look it up on YouTube if you don't know it. Mary knew and treasured these things, saw the glory of God begin to, begin to happen in her life and saw her newborn child. And the shepherds who'd been 
Wow, a welcoming committee. They weren't expecting that. They couldn't even find a place to stay. They had to go into a manger. That didn't quite disturb the shepherds. They were used to this type of stuff. Bit dirty, but they didn't mind. Mary pondered this in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Why were the people amazed? Think about it for a moment. Why were they amazed? Oh, really? You heard from an angel? Oh, really? Glory of God? Oh, yeah. Really? It was just like God told you? Really? God announced something to you and confirmed it? That makes me amazed every time it happens to me throughout my life. And those things have happened to most, if not all of you, already. And that's an occasion at Christmas that is so very special because we can be filled with the same joy and confidence that the disciples had, the shepherds had, all those who in the first century heard about Jesus and was with him. But these first ones to witness, those shepherds, glorifying and praising God, and all the people who heard about it were amazed. Well, you know, yeah, I'll say Merry Christmas to somebody just so they know I'm not going to say Happy Holidays. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to push it, though, because, you know, today, no, somebody is going to be amazed because God has confirmed in your heart that it's the Son of God who has come. Somebody wants to hear that. You don't know which one it is. Be joyful. Be filled with the hope and the peace that we've already looked at in the last two weeks. Verse 19 and 20. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. They found out that life was more than just looking for a place to be warm and stable. Life was more and for some people, it's more important than others because they don't know where it's coming from. More than just the next meal or the Christmas banquet or other things that are coming. They found out that it was more than their day-to-day -day ordinary occupation. They'd heard something about it. They knew there was a Messiah coming, but they didn't know it was now. They knew that God was going to answer prayers of Israel, but they didn't know it was going to be now. We know that Jesus was born. And we know that Jesus was born to give eternal life. Perhaps this is your first Sunday. Perhaps this is the first time you've actually thought about that really clearly. That Jesus was born for you. We mentioned confession when our brother prayed earlier today. We, we talked about our faults, and each one of us has those faults. And Christ came in a humble way to be one of us, and then he lived his life, and then he died, 
And then he rose again to prove that he was the one that could forgive those sins and give them hope, peace, and joy. And that's what he can do for you this morning. If at the end, in a few minutes, you'd like to talk to somebody about that, me, Judy, pastor, somebody else around you, you can come to the front. We'll, we'll pray with you. Jesus came as well, and he speaks about it in, in John, to give abundant life. And abundant life is a joyful life. It's a life where we're happy and convinced and satisfied and full of that knowledge that we're being accompanied by him. That's why the shepherds went, glorifying and praising God. And if you're at a moment where you just need a bit more affirmation of that, you can pray in the pew where you are just a minute from now. Or maybe you'd like somebody just to pray with you for 10 seconds and say, Lord, fill my brother, fill my sister with joy. You come to the front too. I'm not asking everybody to come to the front, but maybe, maybe, like I said at the beginning, maybe God's speaking to you today already. And now is your chance to receive that special message from God. The, the, the shepherds weren't expecting it, and maybe you weren't expecting it this morning. But God has an answer for your situation, for whatever it is you're living through right now. Sometimes it's a process. At our church, we've been looking through the Gospel of Mark. And one of the things that we've seen together is that the disciples weren't too bright. Don't get so excited thinking that maybe you're better than them. Because as we've been going through, one of the things I've been realizing is that I'm not so bright either. And that some of the things that God told me, wow, hard to say this, almost 60 years ago, I'm still working on the first time with the Pharisees, Mark chapter 2, where there was a paralytic brought down through the ceiling and he forgave his sins. And then he says, just so you know that I can do that, get up and walk. Then afterwards, and after, after doing some miracles, they're going across in a boat and the disciples are getting pretty, like the shepherds, terrified. They think they're going to die. Don't you care that we're going to die? Gets up and says, it's the end, stop. And it did. And they said, end of chapter four, wow, who is this guy? And then he fed 4,000, and then he fed 5,000, and then they go across in the boat again, and he says, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees. And they're talking and thinking, I guess we didn't bring enough bread along. And Jesus says, hey guys, I think he uses the word, how long am I going to be with you? What, what, what's with your faith? Don't you understand? No, I think that's the word. It says, don't you understand anything? That's where I got the idea they weren't so bright. But again, <laughs> I'm not talking about that. Just believe what I've told you. That's what the shepherds did. They believed the angels. And, okay, Messiah, king, sure, in a manger. Makes sense to me. Let's go. And they were filled with joy because they got the answer as it had been told them. So this morning, again, each one of us has an answer from God to those questions we've been asking, and he wants to fill us with joy. But later on, they're walking down the road, and they're talking, wondering who's bigger than the other one. Some of them, the three of them, had been up on the mountain of transfiguration. And then after that, they came down, and they weren't able to cast out the demon and so the Pharisees were asking, the leaders of the law, the uh, father was saying to Jesus, 
They couldn't do anything. Can you help me? And Jesus said, sure, if you have faith. He says, I have faith, but help my unbelief. Is that your thought this morning? I believe, but there's something in me that's stopping me. I don't know. Just help me, Lord. He'll even do that. He answers those things that we need. And then the disciples got the question from Jesus. So, folks, so, fellas, what were you talking about? Well, nothing. No, really. I want to know. Ah, you wouldn't be interested. <laughs> so, <laughs> finds out what they were talking about and says, look, those who want to be great must be a servant. Maybe it's not so bad being just an ordinary person. <laughs> Just going about our daily lives, just doing all those simple things day after day that God wants us to do. The daily busy stuff, but also the daily stuff with him in the word, as we were encouraged to do. The daily stuff with him in prayer and in witness. The daily stuff at Christmas of being joyful because he's called us to be his witnesses. He says, just be like this little child here. Just be like this little child. And as a child of God, God wants to work in your heart this morning, this week, this Christmas. We're going to uh, close with a blessing. I would ask you to stand together, please, Judy. <coughs> Pastor Mary. This morning, look at me, please. I would love, I want, I desire to bless you with joy. I declare joy. I declare joy. One of the things I noticed in this passage, just a little parenthesis here, was that the disciples, when they were leaving the stable, became very, very charismatic. And they were joyful and praising God and glorifying him. And it doesn't have to be the hands in the air. But God can just make it flow through our hearts. And this morning, I pray that God will fill your hearts with joy. Today and through this Christmas season and as you go on with him in life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being with us. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for blessing us. Thank you for your spirit. Be with us as we leave this morning. And for those tender hearts, Father, that are turning towards you right now, whether they're in the pew or whether maybe some would come forward for a particular prayer, I pray that you will bless each one of us in your service and for your glory. And we joyfully thank you. And all the people said, Amen. 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 Praise God.